0: All right. I'm so excited to be here with you at the kid's table today. I have the pleasure of sitting with debut author and one of my BFFs ever, Angela Fam Kranz. So, Angela, do you want to give a little intro to yourself?
1: Sure. My name is Angela Fam Kranz. I live in the Atlanta area with my husband and two crazy dogs. Um... Like Rachel said, I am a debut author with my book, Finding Papa, releasing on February 7th. I'm super excited um, and just happy to be here to chat with Rachel and just share more about who I am and a little bit more about Finding Papa.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm excited to talk about your book because it's amazing and I can't wait to get my copy because it's coming out officially next week, right? Like exactly yes. week.
1: next Tuesday. I'm totally taking a day off and just celebrating my book birthday. <laughs> oh,
0: that'll be so nice! Are you, do you know what you're gonna do yet?
1: I don't know. Probably like starting the day with a delicious cup of coffee and a pastry of some sort. Waking up lazy um, and just probably doing all the things that I love to do, which I don't always get to do when you know you're waking up and going to work.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. That sounds like the perfect day, the perfect morning. Um, yeah. Okay, so do you want to start by
1: Hey, um, should we talk about how we met? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Do you want to tell the story? Yeah, sure, please add, please, you know, fill in the details. Okay. So I think this was two years ago, and we were both going, we don't, we didn't know each other at the time, and we were assigned roommates at the ABLA Big Sur Conference in Monterey, California. So uh, we were assigned as like roomies uh, Friday through Saturday, but I had planned on, I planned on traveling on Thursday night just to not like, not stress out Friday. So I booked a separate room on Thursday. And so just through traveling delays and such, I didn't arrive till 1:30, like a.m at the Hyatt in California. So this is like 3:30 Atlanta time. So I was so exhausted from traveling, and I opened my door, and there's this person sleeping in the bed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, who is this person? It was Rachel, of yeah, course. it was me. It was Rachel. And she just turns around, and I don't know wh- how or why she wasn't completely freaked out at one thirty in the morning with someone walking into the room. But what? she turns around, she's like,
0: oh, "Rachel." <laughs> I was expecting to have a roommate, so like I was told I had a roommate. Yeah. But you were told you weren't, so yes. I wasn't surprised.
1: <laughs> oh, I see. I missed that part. I was just like, "How is she not scared that some strangers busting through a room <laughs> at one thirty in the morning?"
0: Well, and I'm so, going uh, to be kind of like ditzy when I wake up, and so I remember just seeing you and being like, "Oh, hi!"
1: I know it was and so I funny. Said
0: something super weird. So that was our introduction.
1: Yeah, and then we became best age.
0: How could you not after that, like, after a 1 a.m. encounter where you thought you were going to be alone and there was someone yeah. there? Like, we were yeah. bound to be friends.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it was meant to be. That's true. Rachel is friendly
0: 24-7. So, I don't know. Some I have off days. I can get mad sometimes, but we won't go into that. Um, so... Part of this is bringing one of our favorite kid table snacks. So I was curious, like, snack or drink, what did you bring to the kid table?
1: So I brought a Kool-Aid jammy drink. So, I mean, I don't think they had Kool-Aid jammers when I was growing up, but they definitely had Kool-Aid because I remember the Kool-Aid man commercials, like, busting through the wall. You guys remember that? Just busting through the door? (laughs) Never got the point of that. Exactly, and, and so I just remember um, just loving Kool-Aid, just loving sugar. I'm a big sugar pusher, so uh, it is. So I decided to bring the Kool-Aid drink tonight. And enjoy it while we That's chat.
0: That's perfect. Um, did you? Was it a thing for you that you turned it into a cell phone? Did anyone here do that? Do you know what I'm talking about at all? So you drink the whole thing, and then you like fold it so that the straw is a little antenna. And then you'd pretend it was a cell phone. Now kids just have real cell phones, but that's what we did. We no, were really cool. No,
1: we never did that. <laughs> yeah, I, no, we never did that. We were really what, cool. What are you drinking?
0: <laughs> okay, so I brought um, Propel. Um, when I was a kid, my family, like my my siblings and I would like fight over the Propel because we loved it so much. Um, I don't really know why <laughs> it was such a staple in our home. I think it was because like one of the ways that you know my dad was really money conscious and so one of those one of our big treats was like when we'd go on a trip and then you go into the gas station and you can get like a drink and mm-hmm. so like, there was always the propels that were there and so we would always get a propel and like I remember my sister would savor it but I just like full on chug it cuz I was like so excited and then I'd be really <laughs> disappointed cuz mine was gone and she was like I'm savoring mine anyway <laughs>
1: So, is it just water? Is Propel just water? No, well, or what is that? Is it flavored drink?
0: I don't, I don't actually know. what it, It's like flavored drink. I guess it has zero calories. Good for me. <laughs> um, yeah. Supposedly it's electrolytes for your workout, but I never use it for my workout. I <laughs> oh, you drank as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: really on the ball. <laughs> Yeah, I'm starting healthy early. Yeah. Okay, I'm drinking, like, sh- 100% sugar, and you're drinking, like, electrolytes as a kid.
0: <laughs> no, no, trust me, I had I tons of Capri Suns, like, at the kid table itself, yeah. I always had Capri Suns. Don't you okay. worry.
1: <laughs> That's so funny. I love that
0: I passed just for a sec- second as, like, a, a non-sugar addict, because I've always been known to be a sugar addict, so thanks for Got that it. couple of minutes where I seemed healthy.
1: <laughs> That's so fun. Okay,
0: so okay. I'm curious like speaking of kid table stuff what were you like as a kid yeah. and and what was the yeah. kid table like for you as a kid
1: yeah i would say um you know my parents being immigrants they worked a lot when i was a kid so i remember just being a, a home alone with my brothers a lot and really and and being responsible for them and Your um brothers baby that saying that i have three younger really? brothers um so I started babysitting them when I was, since I was eight. So I've always been, I think, I had to grow up a little bit faster than most kids um, just because my parents were working all the time. And I had to watch my younger brothers and just try not to kill them and uh, burn down the house down, which I had a couple of close calls. Trust me, it was pretty scary. <laughs> I'm like, thankful we're still alive. Um, I would say responsible, but also because, um, you know, we were alone a lot. I relied a lot on my imagination and and being creative to keep myself, you know, busy and just happy as a kid. I just remember being outside all the time and always having, like, my imagination would run wild and use whatever I had around me to play and do creative things. Um, I also grew up. Up, and my brothers like still hate me for this. Like they think I ruined their childhood. But I used to love putting on like a summer program, <laughs> like a summer school for them, where I would like teach them, you know, language arts, like like uh, long and short vowels and how to spell. And I taught them math and how to make you know sciency projects from books I read from the library. And um, and I enjoyed as a child doing that. Um, and I made would I would make them go to my summer school program uh for a few weeks. (laughs) Um and so they I mean they hated it. But I mean I had fun. Um so I made them like follow my lessons.
0: I would have loved you as a big sister because whenever we would visit my cousins and they lived in Colorado, I'm in Utah. And whenever we'd we'd visit them like once a year and all I wanted to play was school and she was the teacher and she would do that. I would love that. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure they secretly loved it a little bit. I don't know. Maybe they weren't like nerds like
1: me or you. (laughs) I don't know. They were so young. I mean, my, the older of the three is four years younger than I am. So if I was like doing this, you know, it, 10 or whatever he's probably like what am i you know he's like six years old trying to you know just watch saturday morning cartoons and i'm making him take spelling tests
0: (laughs) so you were really responsible so would you say that like creativity was the way that you were kind of like your space to be a kid then because it seemed like other than that you had to be responsible you were taking care of your brothers and so was that like your safe kid space
1: I think so. I mean, it just kept me entertained and it kept me busy and and doing things that, you know, my parents were busy, so they didn't, like, drive us. We didn't have, like, summer camp. We didn't go to, like, after-school programs. It was school and then home, and so that was just how I entertained myself and, you know, try to entertain my brothers was just making up things and doing things, and I remember putting on like writing scripts and putting on plays and dance performances and my brothers and I would perform them for my parents. Um, So it it was just, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) very elementary, but it was just fun. It was a way for me to, you know, not be bored just because we just didn't get a lot of that, you know, other programming that maybe other kids um, had a chance to do. But we just stayed at home a lot. So we had to entertain ourselves.
0: Yeah. Amazing. So, okay. So I can see like the roots of, of where you are now, you know, your creativity as a kid. And so I'm curious if like, as you grew older, how your relationship to that creative self and the kid table, kind of like when you start getting older and the kid table isn't as cool anymore. Like, how did that change? Especially with you being such a responsible kid and responsible for a lot how did your relationship
1: yeah. to creativity change? I think I'm, I think I'm still a kid at heart like I enjoy all those, you know, spending time with the little ones in our family. I have a huge family and I love spending time with my cousins and, you know, their kids um doing all the Disney stuff or just fun birthday parties and creative stuff, but um aside from that, I think m- as I got older my like responsibility side took over. So I was so focused on like, the shit of like, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. So I mean, when I went to college, I went to technical school, Georgia Tech, studied as an engineer, like, you know, super focused folks, the kids there were so smart, I had to work so hard to keep up. And so it was studying. And then after graduating was like, Oh, well, then you should get a job, Mm -hmm. you know, kids these days are taking like gap years like I would never have considered that you know it's like oh I need to get a job right away after college to be employed and then after I got a job I need to work hard to get promoted so it was always doing the adulting thing you know and just doing things I think I should be doing as an adult and I think along the way I lost like the what should I be doing to live a more creative joyful life the Mm. like my childhood and, um, I mean, there were elements of it. Of course, I was happy, but I think I was not always focused on doing things that were creative and joyful like I did as a child because I was so focused on being an adult and being responsible. I mean, you obviously, you can be creative and responsible, but I think I just kind of brushed it to the side a little bit. Just Yeah,
0: that's so relatable. Yeah. I, I mean, I did the same thing, and it's, it's interesting because... You, I think we're like taught what an adult should be, who an adult should For be, sure. and a lot of times that doesn't involve things like picture books, um, and it doesn't involve things like creativity, and yeah. I think that's so yeah. sad, yeah. and so I'm curious how, how you found that again, because wait, remind me of what you studied in college, and then where, what your trajectory was, like what were you, what were you doing?
1: Sure. I studied as an industrial engineer at Georgia Tech. um, And then after I graduated, I went into like logistics and warehousing design. And after that, really, um, you know, more project management and then consulting work. Um, But when I was still working for Truist, well, so was SunTrust back then, now Truist uh, Bank, I remember (laughs) sitting in a Six Sigma training class for like a week and after like four days I was like totally not paying attention you know I was mm-hmm. just like kind of wondering, like mine was just wandering and um like when you were a
0: kid going outside like I was a
1: kid yes and it just this idea this I mean this these thoughts just started flowing and and all I could think about was oh what stories do I want to write with for children and i just started i took out a piece of scrap paper in the training class not paying attention and scribbling down like these story titles and these themes i wanted to write about and i just felt i mean it was just like i felt like if i didn't write down quickly like these things would just start to you know escape or like disappear into the mist and so i had to write it down Um, and I did, but I didn't do anything with it for a couple of years. To be honest, I, I took that piece of paper home. I put it inside my, like I, in my drawer, my bedside, uh, table, and it sat there for probably a good couple of years. Um, but it was out of sight, but definitely not out of mind. Mm -hmm. Like the, the idea of writing just would occasionally pop in my head, you know, month, month over month. Um, And then finally I thought, you know what, there has to be a reason, like, it's like the the reason why these thoughts are, continue to come to mind, to occupy this space in my head, and I I wanted to follow follow it, Um, and it really was, and what really gave me the courage to do that was um, a, a book I read by Elizabeth Gilbert, I think it's called, like, um big magic big magic yes creative thinking and uh and she talked she talks about these ideas that are like entities and they're floating you know in the world and they choose a person like they almost like you know you uh, they land on you almost and they sit there until you're ready you accept you know, this inspiration, you use it. If not, they move on to some, some, someone else, right? And so I thought, gosh, this inspiration keeps coming to me. I need to do something about it. Um, and then that's when I really started getting serious about um, writing. I spoke it out loud. I told my husband, this is what I want to do. He bought me a writing webinar on Groupon and so I just started, I took the, the webinar and then I bought books and then I went to conferences and I just, and I found so much joy and it. it never felt like work. Like I've always been like a studier or a researcher. Um, and so I did a lot of research. I did a lot of studying. Um, and instead of seeing it as work, like I did like back in college, it was just something fun. Like it was still fun for me to do. Um, and that's really where it all started
0: wow okay thanks so much for sharing that um i feel like okay i have a couple questions one is why do you think that writing was your preferred creative method like why Mm. why was it writing for you do you think
1: i think i started i mean i think i started at a young age uh like i don't know doing those lesson plans for my brothers i would like cut out paper and make little booklets to teach them their ABCs and then as I got older writing in my diary um and being expressive and and being creative in that way um and then it just felt natural for me um I enjoy lyrical writing um I used to write a lot of poems as a kid too I mean it wasn't great uh poetry but I enjoyed rhyming and just uh writing about all sorts of topics. So I think for me, it was just a natural choice Yeah, uh, to write
0: okay, and, and show my
1: so, feelings that way. Yeah. No,
0: that's great. So that was your method of expressing yourself. Yeah. I'm curious too, like you mentioned how you read the book, Big Magic. I'm curious what brought that in your life at the time, because it sounds like maybe you were looking for creative opportunities. Or something, or you were starting to kind of be drawn towards it. So I'm just curious, like, what brought you to the big magic, and then kind of sparked the whole thing.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think I just liked Elizabeth Gilbert and her style of writing. Um,
0: so You were reading her stuff. I was reading her stuff,
1: her books. Yeah, Eat, Pray, Love, and just other books from written by her. But to your point, I think probably just inside of me, I think an inner voice was always just saying, like, where's your creative self, like. I was always creative as a child and I lost that. So I think a part of me was just trying to quietly Mm. find that um, because there was so much noise around me, you know, all the being the adulting stuff that, you know, I didn't listen to to the whispers. Um, Mm. So I think, I think subconsciously I was like, I do want to live a creative life. Um, I want to live a rich life. I think, creative creativity lends itself to a richer life in whatever form it is that it may be for you as a person um it talks about about, and the book talks about like being creators being producers of something and not just consumers of something and i think as a society we do a lot we're consumers of things of lots of things and the thought of like being a creator being a producer cultivating something just felt so wholesome to me um and so after that book you know, I started garden I started just cultivating all sorts of things in my life um and I think just writing and developing stories was just part of that um you know, producing growing putting something out in the world versus just taking from the world
0: wow so. that's really beautifully put so and it's cool to see that you so as you were reading Elizabeth Gilbert that brought you to like produce it yeah consuming eventually led you to produce but you had to cultivate that as you said which is really active and what I heard you say is like your husband signed you up for that class great supportive husband there you also had to protect your creativity in other ways like you you had to say it out loud and like really declare yourself as a writer were there any other ways that like I think sometimes it can be hard to maintain our creative life as adults with all the responsibilities we have and so were there any other ways that you had to fight for your creativity or protect it yeah I
1: think, yeah i i think that we all go through that imposter syndrome right and like for a long time i wouldn't call myself a writer i just say it so timidly like oh yeah i'm just dabbling in writing i didn't want to because i think most people think that you're only a writer if you're published and you know, mm-hmm. so I was so, like, if you're, and then, and so I was always very, very timid about sharing my writing, and, unless it was someone I trusted, like, a, my trusted group of friends and community, but I think what's important, and I, this is why I so love about the, our writing community, is that everyone is so supportive, and so I remember just being on Twitter, and just, you know, um, making friends with all these folks that I didn't know, and Reading their posts and reading people's supportive, just support like, hey, if you write, you're a writer. You know, say it out loud, be proud of it. Um, and just seeing what other people and how they were speaking about writing really gave me courage to say, hey, I'm a writer. Sure, I'm not a published a- author, but I'm a writer because I write. Um, so I made myself these little, you know, business cards that says, Angela Famcrans, writer um and so you know it's just these little things that you do for yourself to just continually validate that what you're doing is good and true and even if you're not published you're still a writer um and so i I think that's how i found the courage to really say it out loud i think until you say it out loud and let the world hear it i think you're not really giving yourself a chance you know i know it's scary because in you can get judged, right? People are like, yeah, whatever. She's a writer. Everyone's a writer, <laughs> you know, but it's fine. That's that's how they feel. That's their opinion. But um, I feel like it's really important to say it out loud and whether it's just to one other person or even to yourself in a, in a room by yourself to say whatever it is that you're dreaming or wanting to just say it out loud so that the world hears it, even if no one, no another person hears it, but the world hears it. And I feel like once you say it, things really start to move. And then things, I feel like it starts to change for you.
0: How did it change for you? Like, what were some of the signs that things were starting to move as you declared it to the world? And like you said, say it out loud and and really protect that creative space of yours. Like, what was your trajectory to get to this Finding Papa debut?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I did everything I could around with writing and I joined contests and, um, uh, I joined uh, the mentorship program that Justin, I think Justin Cologne, yeah. I hope that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, but he has the PB chat mentorship program. And so I signed up for it. I actually finding Papa was the story I used to s- submit, um, along with the application. And, um, Corey Dorefeld, um, is an author. Um, I think, a lot of us know her books like the rabbit listened great great person um she was my mentor and um you know she helped me re- refine the story and from there um i participated in the um december showcase so part of the pb chat mentorship is at the end of your mentorship there's a showcase in december where agents and um Uh, Editors may join, um, and they see a snippet of your work, and if they like it, you you can submit and query to them. And so, just through several events, I was able to meet my agent, Catherine uh, Westbacher, from Bradford Literary Agency, and I signed with her in March, 2020, right during COVID, in the middle of COVID. And then uh, she sold the story to HarperCollins in May. So. very quickly but you know i think it's important like to know that it's not huge milestones that i was going for like i just like took little steps and everything i did whether i mean just reading other people's stories studying mentor texts like i never saw it as like a waste of time i just felt like it was just another pebble like another step towards something greater and i didn't know when that great thing would happen or even expected it in a certain time frame i just kind of did what i thought i needed to do to be a better writer or improve my craft and then eventually it got me to these bigger milestones um so and i always say no matter what you're doing even if it's like five minutes of writing or five minutes of doing something writing related it's all uh it all counts Mm -hmm. you know every bit of it counts towards the bigger picture so
0: that's so motivational like everything counts even as you were saying the research the mentor text and you didn't feel any of it was a waste that's Mm -hmm. so powerful and inspiring and look where it led you those all those small steps and you like protecting your creativity that way and really embracing it um so i'm so excited um for where you are now so now let's talk about your book finding papa so I know that it hasn't come out yet, so we'll be careful about what we talk about and what we don't talk about. (laughs) But um, I found Finding Papa is such a powerful book about the strength of a family who sacrifice each other and overcome challenges to stay together. And I know that it's based on your own family like it's a fictional tale inspired by your family and so i was curious what was the process like as you gathered the memories and stories from your parents about their journey to take you from vietnam to america
1: yeah i mean i grew up listening and hearing my parents tell this story but you know they never told the story from like beginning to end it was just like and, you know, little pieces and and bits everywhere. And I always thought, wow, that's amazing how I came over to America. It's like a boat, a ship, you know, a plane. I mean, it was missing a train, but (laughs) it was just, you know, it was just this incredible journey. And I was too young to remember it. So hearing my parents tell it it was very special. So I wanted to write this story from the perspective of a child, even though I couldn't remember it. So um, I knew it would be... powerful story to tell from a child's perspective. Um, And I think one of my favorite parts was interviewing my parents and really getting the whole story and really understanding what happened. And my parents were so young. My mom was, how old was she? Like 23, 24 years old. Uh, My dad was only a few years older. Um, And it was just incredible, this journey that they took. Um, to reunite. So, I did a lot of research. You know, I interviewed them. I went through you know the list of Q and A and decide which scenes I wanted to add to the story. Um, and I did a ton of research on the like the ship that saved that saved us. You know, um, it was it's called Ned Lloyd. It was a shipping company, a Dutch shipping company. And I wanted to research like what our ship actually looked like back then. And I learned that that ship was decommissioned um that saved us but you know just learning all these things and through my research i was reading other people's stories that that um that took this trip and how they reconnected with their families but also reconnected with the people who saved them you know 10 20 years later and it was just incredible um and i just knew, knew that it was a story i wanted to write And my parents were so brave i mean at 24 my mom um was carrying a young child across the country and across the oceans, and I mean, I don't know what you guys were doing at 24, but I had like recently graduated, moved to Jacksonville, Florida, was still eating like hot dogs, <laughs> micro—you know, heating it up in the microwave, <laughs> like totally not mature or brave. Um, so it was just so incredible what my mom, my mom did, um, and yeah. what my dad did. did so. I
0: was um, I felt the power of that as I read of just like how young she was, like you said. And I was eating hot dogs too, and um, I feel like what I really, really loved about your book is that all of your characters, so like the kid, it's from the kid perspective, and you respected the kid yeah. perspective throughout. And but at the same time, you show the power of the parents. And all three characters were, like, such powerful characters going through their own, yeah. you know, their own journey and difficulties and challenges in their yeah. own ways. So, I feel like you really, I feel like you really, really respected the characters yeah. that way. And so, I was curious, like, how, I know that the, the, the journey was extremely dangerous. So, I'm curious how that process was of making sure that it wasn't too scary for yeah. kids, but, but also, yeah. like, being true to what actually happened, yeah. what that what that experience was like, the process was like for you.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's a great question because it's a children's book. So I wanted to be hopeful and happy and about love and family and a community that helps each other. So I definitely didn't want to focus on the dangers, but I didn't want to minimize it either. So um, I think the character, whose name is Mai, you know, she... She's going through these things with her mom, but she's she's processing it differently than how her mom is processing it. Um, The story starts with them playing a game, the crocodile chomp-chomp. And so it's a game that she plays with her papa. And, you know, when he leaves, she uses the chomp-chomp throughout the story to process her feelings almost. Like chomp-chomp started off as a fun game. But then when he was gone, Chomp Chomp became something like, wah, wah, you know, like, bad, you know, and then Chomp Chomp also could represent scary, you know, when they're in the water. She don't know what's in the water. Crocodile could be in the water. Um, so, you know, she's processing it through this game that she played, but she's always looking for him. But, you know, she's always using this Chomp Chomp game to, like, help her get through each uh, step of the journey until you know, the end of the story. So I really wanted to make sure that um yeah, that it wasn't a scary story for kids. It's, you know, about family and hope, um, and courage and this child is just processing it however she can. Um and you know, as kids do, a game, um, something that is not how adults would process it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I thought the Trump Trump, the way that it changes throughout the story I thought was so brilliant. Like it's And it's just like you said, and I think you, you pulled it off so well. And I I can't wait for everyone to get to read this book because it's really amazing and empowering and really like it, it made me feel close to my own family as I read it. But one last question is, I was curious as you made this, like what, what you learned about yourself as a creator that Mm -hmm. you can take into other books or into your creative process in the future? Like what was something that you learned making this book?
1: yeah um i learned that i really enjoy writing lyrical text Mm. um soft and sing-songy um but i also learned that i love stories of just like it probably sounds super cheesy but like very heartfelt stories um stories about family and community always stories about helping each other i feel like the community is so important the community around us, and however you define community—is it just your family? Is it your family, neighbors? Is it more of your, you know, city community? Um, I think it's just so important. Sometimes we feel so individualistic, but I feel like what makes the world so beautiful is that you have others around you to help you, to learn, to get through hard times. And I feel like that those themes are what gets weaved into my into the stories um because those are it's important to me uh, and i want to make sure that it's reflected in the stories that i write Um, so yeah um, i also learned that i like humorous stories like i read so many wonderful talented authors who write such wonderfully humorous books i do see dk rylan on here i think on the chat dk is amazing and her books are always so humorous and fun and charming and that is so hard to write i think I kind of think I'm a funny person in real oh, life, are. but when I write books, I'm like, I'm so not funny. Like, I don't know how to inject humor in my books. You so, uh, that's something I want in my books, but something I need to work towards and to practice. Yeah. I feel like so, I feel like heartfelt in humor.
0: <laughs> and comedic timing on the page and out loud, like, there's such an interesting, I don't know, yeah. it's a challenge to convey that, but I've read your books and you are funny on the page too. Just say. <laughs> <laughs> I so
1: try. It's yeah, hard.
0: I can't wait to see your future funny books. Do you have any other projects that will be published soon? Yes.
1: So, um I have a story called uh, Words Between Us coming out fall this year uh by HarperCollins as well. It's about a young boy named Felix and his relationship with his grandmother. Um so his grandmother moves into his home and you know she's not very fluent in English and so it's a story about a young child Building a relationship with um you know his grandmother and showing love through different ways and teaching her a different language and just kind of the hilarity that comes with it um and it really you know it it what inspired the stories you and know, my grandparents came to america and and my brothers and I developing a relationship with them and teaching them all the way in American culture and what we like to eat and and different words and hearing them say it so it's really a story about again family f- themes um helping each other um and just like intergenerational relationships yeah
0: wow that sounds amazing i'll look forward to reading that where can people find you and connect with you
1: where's the best sure place? yeah i'm on twitter um at angela Crans, and then um i'm on instagram as well i have two instagram accounts don't ask about that, <laughs> but, uh, it's again, find me at Angela.Fam.Crans or AngelaFam25. Um, and then of course my website, AngelaCrans.com. Um, so those are the different ways you can connect. So hopefully you'll stop by and say hello.
0: And that's where they can go to pre-order your book, right? On your website.
1: Yep. You can go to my website, uh, to order the book, or you can, I mean, really order the book anywhere uh, now on Amazon, Target, Barnes and Nobles, your local bookstore, um oh, so thank okay. you advanced for your support
0: yeah i hope everyone will go out and pre-order finding papa this was a lovely chat with you angela as always i love laughing thank you, at you and talking with you um, likewise so thanks again for sitting with me at the kid's table and thanks everyone for showing up and and joining us
1: bye thank you rachel <laughs> thanks guys thanks for joining thank you bye bye